I don't think people remember how bad it was, and it's probably best that we all block that out of our memories. <laughs> Hashtag what a humdinger, um, or perhaps hashtag domapalooza, uh, or uh, mm-hmm. hashtag pace of play. Dan Heron quoted, I pitched a few seasons completely out of the stretch, actually, just not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number. 89, where we regrettably were unable to acquire an interview with either Tessa Virtue or Scott Moyer, but we will soldier on. Instead, I bring you Joshua Housem. Josh, how you doing? That was the least exciting build-up I could ever get. <laughs> well, we don't have these awesome, super popular people, but we got him. Love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, on the scale of celebrity, I think that's about as much enthusiasm as I could muster versus... <laughs> Honestly, you probably gave me a little too much. <laughs> um, yeah, we were not here to talk about figure skating, though. We're here to talk about baseball, and we do have a little bit of that spring training warming action. Uh, we have the Rays and Orioles continue an offseason which seems dedicated to anything but winning lots of games. Uh, we do have news about Josh Donaldson's contract, potentially uh, Ross Atkins talking about how the roster is shaping up. Marcus Stroman. Uh, and Travis and Sanchez are all doing things on the field, so we've got actual sort of, uh, you know, stuff, of substance to talk about. Not Nothing huge, but developments, as it were. We have your questions, naturally. We have a gold star to hand out to two ex-pitchers, and uh, we have a do-over that is Rob Manfred-related, as uh, contractually all of our do-overs have to be, but isn't necessarily for Mr. Manfred himself. <laughs> we shall begin, I guess, with uh, the inexplicable... Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, I don't really know what they're doing. I, I, I don't get it. Like it. So since we last recorded this podcast, they gave away Jake Odorizzi to the Twins. I mean, they got nothing in return, essentially. A very, a very middling prospect. They designated Corey Dickerson for assignment, but traded for C.J. Crone. I'm then still they traded... stuck on that one, to be honest. <laughs> of all the moves, that's the one I'm, I'm stuck on. Hang on. But then they traded away Steven Souza Jr. and then signed Carlos Gomez for the same amount of money. <sighs> They're just like, so if this was a true salary dump, it didn't dump them more than like $2 million or something, $2.5 million worth of salary? Yeah, very, very little. I was basically whatever Odorizzi made, that's what they dumped. And none of these moves made them any better. No, I think you could argue that they probably are worse in the aggregate. I mean, Souza's a lot better than Carlos Gomez. And Corey Dickerson had a lousy second half after an all-star first half. But, I mean, that happened. it wasn't Michael Saunders' bad second half after an all-star first half. Uh, and they no. got nothing for him. Literally. Like, they cut him. They said bye-bye. Well, technically, he's been designated for our assignment. So, th- so they could get something, but I don't think anyone's going to give them something. They'll just wait for them to have to release him. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's spring training. It's not like teams don't have all the time in the world to pick him up and put him wherever they want to put him. <laughs> yeah, spring training games haven't even started yet. It's not even real spring training. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's not like that someone's going to be in a roster crunch just because they picked up Corey Dickerson. At least I don't think so. Yeah. 
Very, very odd. Very, very surprising. Mostly surprising that it's quite clear that they just aren't trying to win. There's nothing in any of those moves that says there's a concern about even a marginal win. They just don't care. Whatever they, whatever happens, happens. I, but, and that's why I don't get the Carlos Gomez move. Like, you you got worse. I mean, there's no argument that they got better. They got worse and saved about two million bucks. So why not just get a lot worse? I, I don't I don't understand. No, uh, and I think that's going to be. I mean, th- there is a, a part of the brain trust that thinks the Rays maybe are still gaming the system, but that, I mean, that, that, you yeah. can't be smart all the time. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and they also traded Evan Longoria earlier in the season too. So there's a lot of step back here. Oh yeah, yeah. The, and and I, it, I, I I can't remember who tweeted this out, but it's you're talking about can't be smart all the time. So the Rays chain of trades essentially they traded james shields for odorizzi oh actually they traded wade davis and james shields for odorizzi and will myers well they gave odorizzi away and then they traded will myers for essentially steven souza and then they traded steven souza for some b prospects not exactly the typical what you think of ray's trades now if you're familiar with the jays roster map as a listener which of course you and i are as a, as a raised roster map, would that not create an impressive leg out one side? <laughs> it really would. <laughs> Maybe that's their objective, is to develop a very obscure-looking chain of, of trades that lead all the way back to uh, James Shields forever yeah. and ever. Okay. So that turns our attention to the Orioles. I guess uh, and we, we will have to mention the Red Sox later, uh, I just realized. But the Orioles. What are the Orioles done? Well, the Orioles have made the very best move in the history of baseball by signing Colby Rasmus. Mm. Because I Colby's believe, the greatest. Yeah, well, absolutely. I just can't believe he still wants a job. It's actually very odd. He walked away from the from the game last year, partway through the season. He was actually playing really, really well. And he just decided he didn't want to play anymore, essentially. But you know, he changed his mind. and you know, This is his prerogative. And he's decided to sign with the Orioles. And then they re-signed Chris Tillman. Huzzah. Well, and then this is where you talk about this whole, you know, not really trying to win kind of thing. The Orioles finished last. Yeah. And the only moves they've made are to bring in Colby, which again, the greatest move ever, mm-hmm. and bring back Chris Tillman. Well, they signed Cashner, didn't they? Oh, yeah. But that's, that's a great Andrew move. Cash. I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> if, I, if anyone who's listening to me talk about Andrew Kashner, I that move didn't make them much better. Well, it did because they're the Orioles and their starting pitching was so bad. But they needed to make real moves and get legitimately good pitchers, and they haven't done that. And so it's very confusing. So that's team number two that doesn't really care. It makes the Blue Jays look positively uh, frantic in comparison in terms of the moves that they've they've made to improve things. Yeah, and that's the big thing. The Blue Jays have not made the sexy move. There's no, there's no argument about that. They didn't get anybody who you'd go out and say, that guy, poof, he's a star. But they got better with every single move, and obviously better. It wasn't like, yeah, Andrew Kashner makes the Orioles kind of better, but still sucks. It was, they upgraded with clear ease at many spots that caused a lot of problems last year. Yeah, so as we've discussed, the Jays' question is, did you upgrade enough, not, not did you try? Um, mm-hmm. And the question with the Rays and Orioles is, what are you trying to do? Exist yeah. for another year? 
Like you're going to exist no matter what. I guess you got to put 25 guys on the roster. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> now, the Red Sox did make that splash that everybody's waiting for them to make. Yeah, I hated this. I mean, <laughs> we all, JD Martinez going to the Red Sox, it was kind of a foregone conclusion, though I admit I was holding out a little bit of hope that he'd go back to Diamondbacks for some reason. But I was hoping they'd at least have to pay through the nose to get him. Mm, not so much. No, not, not, not even a little bit. He, he basically is going to be signed for two years, 50 million, and then opt out. Yeah, and and even if he, for some reason, sucks in those two years, uh, he's basically got the Justin Upton contract, doesn't he? 5-110 or 5-109, whatever it worked out to. Yeah, it was yeah, something like that. I thought it was 110, but it was in yeah. those ranges with, you know, and he has a buyout, an opt out after the third year as well. <laughs> but, I mean, it, even if it's the worst and he, and he has to stick for the five years, it's still way cheaper than I was expecting him to go for. Yeah, I mean, he he is in in my mind anyway. He's as close to the the Jose Bautista profile of a player as you can get. Uh, not great defense, but he went from a decent player or you know a player with a lot of potential, and he broke out, and he has never looked back since he broke out. Yeah, and, and around mid season, I there there's a question. It's like, who would you rather have between these two thirty year olds? him or Upton and it was basically a 50 50 split on the you know it was a Twitter poll with a thousand some odd responses and then he went out and had the biggest second half in baseball out Homer Giancarlo Stanton over that period and ended up with the same contract so yeah it's a, it's surprising that it was so little which means that the Red Sox have improved to the point where uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees in some projections are approximate equals uh, with the Jays lagging well behind uh, as a as a third place finisher in the division, but luckily, it doesn't matter where you finish in the division necessarily. You just need to find that second wild card if you're really trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah, and this is sort of where the the JD Martinez move doesn't quite matter as much. The Jays were never as good as Boston or New York anyway. I think you could make a case that they're closer to New York than Boston, but even that, it, it's tough. What it, it matters more for the individual 19 games that they're going to play against them, and it's tougher to beat them now with J.D. Martinez, but the Jays, as they're built, are more of a wildcard contender anyway. Indeed. So I can now segue from the J.D. to our J.D. Well done. Nice. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, we'll just let that simmer. Uh, who <laughs> has walked away from any in-season or even any spring training contract negotiations from the sounds of things. Yeah, and it, it it didn't sound like it was an acrimonious thing. He basically just said that right now they're not close in value on on a contract talk, and that you know that's not really a huge shock, as we've mentioned. Dan Lozano is his agent, and Dan Lozano has negotiated some gigantic contracts for older free agents recently: Joey Votto, Albert Pujols. So he probably is asking for seven, eight years. The Blue Jays aren't going to do that, so. Donaldson didn't say he's not coming back. He just said he's going to test free agency to see what his value is. And I think uh, we have a question about this later, so maybe we're pre-answering it. But I, I think that this is probably the kind of calculated risk you want to take as a team, um, regardless of what, what you might think as a fan, is seeing the market this offseason for aging power hitters, uh, albeit Donaldson has a wider skill set than any of those guys, um, you might find that... He, 
you can you could come to a deal now that would cost you a ton the deal you you come if you manage to come to after this season i don't think it costs you a ton more just because you waited the one more season at this point no and i think it's arguably going to be considerably less and i, I think that's sort of where atkins is coming from with his comments where he just essentially said it's like we still really want to bring him back and we we think it might be in our benefit to wait and, and so let him see it well he didn't say this but it was sort of implied that he thinks that the market will be closer to what they're offering than to what Donaldson is asking so I don't think this in any way guarantees that he's gone I guess maybe it makes it more likely they trade him at the deadline if things don't go right but that was you know that's not a huge shock either right no and you've got again you've gotten the most value you can get out of Donaldson and I like I said I don't think he can inflate his value per se this year that's why I was in favor of the Donaldson extension before last season uh if if he's a $175 million player, as long as he doesn't get hurt this season, he's still a $175 million player. He doesn't become a $225 million player because of something he does this year. Right, it's, unless he goes out and hits 60 home runs, but that's, you know, not going to happen. No, there's, I mean, you can write that down and you can make fun of us if he does, but I'm prepared to, <laughs> I'm prepared to We'll take that do-over if it comes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Adkins was also, I guess, in one of the regular spring training scrums, asked about the backup catcher, and he said he was okay with Luke Melee where he is. Yeah, I mean, he said that they'd consider adding, but it's not something they're thinking about right now. They're going to focus on adding in the bullpen, which the bullpen needs it, and there's no argument about that, but like, you know, Luke Melee's not that good. Luke Melee historically had one of the three worst offensive seasons of all time last year so i could see the one argument that he literally could not get any worse he yeah (laughs) and that was in one of the biggest offensive seasons of all time across baseball but i mean luke maley's never hit it's you know last season his ops was 407 but in his in 2015 it was 429 (laughs) i guess they're hoping for the 613 from 2016 but really, they're just hoping for more health from Russell Martin. I, and I think this is all about they expect Danny Jansen or Reese McGuire to take over the catching job or the backup catching job partway through the year. And they want that spot available for them. Well, yeah, certainly, yeah. Getting a veteran in who's looking for a certain amount of playing time would be more awkward if you do have someone who's going to come up and take over. And I don't think Melee can really make the case that he deserves more playing time. Than anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, and I think that Martin, at least at the outset, is probably going to catch eight or nine out of every ten games. So if they think they can get through to the end of May with Luke Maley playing six times or seven times, then that's not really going to hurt you. Not any worse than it hurt you last season. <laughs> last season was a lot more than six or seven <laughs> times. Uh, yeah, they had the impact of a guy who played six or seven times, the all the backup catchers combined over the 30 games or whatever it was. I don't think people remember how bad it was, and it's probably best that we all block that out of our memories. <laughs> uh, what else you got? We got Marcus Stroman. What, what do you think about this, this new hesitation pitch, Jimmy Shuffle? Del- well, what is it to you that he's doing that's so wacky? Well, the hesitation thing isn't new. He was doing that last year. So he's going to start throwing sidearms sometimes. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. 
You know what? I'm all in for it. I'm totally in favor of a pitcher trying to do something to get an edge beyond what he already did. I mean, Marcus Stroman already did a whole bunch of this stuff, but if if it helps, I mean, if he uses it properly and, you know, to bear in on right-handed batters or something like that, I, I can't see a negative. And if it doesn't work, then you just stop doing it. Yeah, it's fair. I just, you don't want it to not work and result in a, uh, a lot of walks all of a sudden because you've altered your delivery because you're dropping down every so often and you're you're not you know you're not writing yourself uh, when you go back to your regular delivery. I think that's my concern as far as sometimes things aren't easy to stop doing. I mean, you, you we were talking about uh, Estrada last season, realizing that he was not he was telegraphing his change up a little bit, and even when he realized it, that wasn't an instant. Oh, I'll go out the next day and change how I deliver my change up. No, but when it comes to this kind of thing with Stroman, speaking as a pitcher, the occasional drop down, which I've done, it doesn't really affect your overall mechanics because 95% of what you're doing is still the other thing. So your muscle memory is still there. You have to try to do the cider as opposed to throwing overhand. Well, if it, if it gives people another look, I guess, yeah. It, what harm? Yeah, although you were talking about the hesitation thing. This is just kind of, this is just a funny note from spring training. That uh, so he Osuna was doing it too. He tried it and he threw one to Randall Grichuk and Grichuk hit it out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> Subtle. <laughs> um, Devin Travis uh, was described uh, in one of his quotes. I saw that he was happy to be a spring training player, not a rehabbing player, uh, which obviously I would be happy if I was him as well. He's getting around well is what we've heard. Yeah, everything that they're saying is that he's ahead of schedule, which is nice. He uh, th- There's been video of him doing infield drills. He looks like you wouldn't know he was injured if you watched him doing them, which I guess is the best praise you can give. And they're saying he's not going to play in the first week of games, you know, just because they don't want to rush him back. But they expect he's going to be back in pretty quickly after that. Which is awesome, because I, I think when he hits the ground running, he's a much more confident hitter. And he, uh, when he's a confident hitter, he's a very good hitter. Yeah, and I, I I do think that's a big thing. I think getting a real spring training will be good for him, too. Last year, he was injured almost all the way through to the end, and then he sucked in April, and then he went off in May because, I, same thing you're talking about, that confidence and just getting his timing down. So if he can play from, I don't know, the 10th of March to the end, that should be enough to actually let him be good from the outset of the season. Which is awesome. And the other I, update I was aware of, and there might be some other updates that I'm forgetting about, was uh, Aaron Sanchez is also what we would call looking great or looking normal, which is the, the high praise, as you said. Um, <laughs> he, he, he faced like this. We had the live batting practice uh, the other day, uh, live hitters, no game. And Sanchez looked great. Yeah, apparently he was throwing... You know, really good curveballs. You know, that fastball is getting the same nasty arm side run. But, Greg, how much does that matter right now? Uh, on a scale of, of one to 100, about maybe three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that pretty much covers it. For Sanchez, it's all about him being able to repeat it over and over and over in a game. And then if that's not causing a blister, that's when it'll matter. So right now, it's good. I mean, it's better than the other thing. But it doesn't really mean very much. No, it, it means he didn't come into camp hurt, which is the way the worst way to come into camp. Like Troy Tulowitzki has come into camp hurt. 
Um, yeah, which we talked about last week. Yeah. So uh, that's really here. It's how do you stay healthy as you ramp up to game speed? And if, if Sanchez step one is a healthy step, I'm I'm happy. Am I jubilant? Uh, no, not yet. We'll, we'll get to jubilant maybe later. <laughs> and then if you say stay healthy all the way through, we might get to euphoric. Ooh. And then I need to get my thesaurus. Uh, <laughs> all right. We got questions from you coming up after a little break right about here. And we have returned. Uh, wow, that feels like a much shorter break to you guys than it does to us, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, we're going to hit you up with uh, your own questions right back at you. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> you I, always do that. I hit the button. Button doesn't do nothing. Um, <laughs> I need to leave more silent space at the end of those. <clears throat> Regardless, we had an early question from Ewan Ross at Mentalk. Uh, welcome back to Twitter, Ewan. I know you took a little hiatus there. Uh, from the middle of the week, he asked, please explain the Tony Watson contract. He seemed like a great fit. And I have a feeling you're going to have a tough time explaining the Tony Watson contract. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we talked about Watson in general last week, and I said I didn't think it was likely to happen, but he would be a good fit. Um, so he has this very weird deal. He's going to earn $3 million in 2018. And then technically he's supposed to earn $3.5 million in 2019 and then have a $2.5 million option for the following year. But there's escalators in there that can raise the value to three years, $21 million. Basically, if he throws 55 innings in each of those two seasons... He'll make $21 million. I think I fell asleep, but that seems like a really odd way to get, <laughs> oh, I don't know, under the luxury tax for the Giants. Yeah, and that's all it was about. So, you know, they, they essentially circumvented the tax with very legal means. I don't know why no one beat this. I, I don't know if this was Scott Boras waiting too long because look at the contracts the relievers were signing earlier in the offseason. Yeah, you were you what Wade Davis got what was his average annual value? Like nine or No, Wade Davis got like thirteen or fourteen million, but okay. Jake McGee got two years at eleven million dollars each. So yeah. I don't know. I it could be that teams were wary of Tony Watson's somewhat step back in his run prevention last year. It's it's tough to say, but I definitely would have liked the Jays to be in some kind of contract like this. The only other thing I have a just sort of an idle worry about is, or a worry, concern about, I don't know. Did Tony Watson really want to play in a pitcher's park? As a personal preference. Uh, oh. uh, it's certainly possible, though, if you're signing a three-year contract, I'm not sure how much that really should matter to a pitcher. But I, I also think that from the Jays' perspective, they didn't want to be locked into a deal like this, where they're not knowing how much they're paying from one season to the next. Or even just they wanted a three-year deal for reliever. Because if you look at the tr the moves they made, they have control on all of them. They could cut Grichuk. They could cut Solarte. They could cut Diaz. And they could cut Jaime Garcia. All of them. Or they could keep them if they want. And I don't think they wanted to be locked into something other than that in case things go south this year. 
Let's take that to the second question then, which I will read you from Noel Moxon at the Mox Ball. Is the Jays' future plans to wait out the veteran contract slash trade for future assets? Uh, this offseason lacks very much in terms of immediate upgrades. What are your thoughts? <laughs> so yeah, I guess I just answered that by accident. <laughs> <laughs> they I, I think that's what it is. Flexibility. Yeah. Because they as much, don't... As much as possible. Yeah, because they, they, they don't have any in terms of Tulowitzki. And they don't have any in terms of Martin. Um, and those two guys are, they are a big chunk of change. As much as, yes, it's a $150 million plus um, roster. You're, you're looking at two guys who are almost, what, $40 million going into the next 40. couple They are 40. They're taking yeah. up a quarter of it. So, yeah, I think that's what it is. They wanted to get as much flexibility this year. And they got talent. I mean, we talked about this. They, they upgraded their floor considerably. And, and they upgraded at spots where they sucked. So... They could very easily get the second wild. Well, very easily is not the right word, but you can definitely see a way for them to get into the postseason. And then if they don't, they trade away all these guys because they can. Groovy. Uh, the next question is the one we answered earlier that I referenced, which was again from Noel: Is the bringer of rain asked too much, or is Rogers the Blue Jay- and the Blue Jays being cheap? And the answer was the Blue Jays are taking a a calculated risk that really doesn't have a downside for them by waiting at this point. If, if Donaldson thinks he can get more. Mm-hmm. All right. You hit me with one. All right. This comes from Phil Golubovich at Philly G. If you could imbue one player with a 70 grade skill for one tool on this roster, for example, Pilar suddenly having a 70 grade hit tool. This is on the 20 to 80 scale, which player getting which skill would improve the team as a whole the most. And would any be as fun as giving Kendry's 70 speed? <laughs> So just for, uh, I'm going to do this a little differently. We'll give each a best one and then a most fun one other than Kendra 70 speed. Okay. So, um, the best one, I think ironically we would give, give a guy back something he probably had at one point in his career. And that would be 70 power back to Troy Tulowitzki. Um, I think it would make a huge difference to the team. Uh, what would be more fun would be to give a 70 hit tool to Luke Melee, just to confuse everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he, you can't get this guy out. <laughs> so I think that the, the Pilar 70 hit tool might be actually the best one, because if Pilar can hit, all of a sudden he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. Although maybe 70 patience? <laughs> <laughs> that is not one of the five tools. No, it's not. But for me, the most fun, Giving a 70 fastball to Marco Estrada, but keeping everything else the same. He'd just end up confused, Josh. <laughs> He'd be suddenly going out there throwing 97 <laughs> with the 78 mile an hour changeup. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if you could if he could make it work to still make it look like uh like the fastball. Or if people would be able to tell because it would just be so different. I don't know, maybe. Well, and also, if we're giving one player 70 speed, it's got to be Smoke, because he's even bigger than Kendry's. <laughs> it's, he's not as slow, but yeah, those legs really close. start moving. <laughs> you see that giant man just burning down the line? <laughs> Starts laying down bunts against the shift? I think we have spent... Uh, well, maybe the, the question, Phil here, has spent too much time uh, in MLB The Show playing with sliders. <laughs> Uh, from Josh at Sergio Dip, the top five MLB logos. Now, in all fairness, we have discussed MLB logos in the past. Maybe you haven't heard us discuss it, but uh, Josh and I have decided we really can't name five. 
We we go ahead, Josh. What's our decision on this? There's only one. The the best one is the Milwaukee Brewers MB glove hat. Nothing yep. else belongs in the conversation with that. We'll give a we'll give a soft two to the Blue Jays because you know it's a great logo and they're the Jays, but that Brewers logo is just the best possible thing. Yeah, if you were to purely buy a piece of merchandise based on just how the logo looked and knowing anything about baseball, how you could not love so much incorporated in one space. Uh, yeah, it's the Brewers logo. Next, All right. what do you got? This one comes from Kate Stanwick at OK Stan. What should the Blue Jays 2018 hashtag be? Ooh, ooh, I uh, I have a couple here because I saw this question earlier and I thought, hmm. <laughs> Uh, hashtag what a humdinger um, or perhaps hashtag doma palooza huh? or uh, mm-hmm. hashtag pace of play that's just for MLB <laughs> that's not the Blue Jays hashtag I think <laughs> maybe we'll be of... the, the most respectful team of the pace of play in all of all the major <laughs> I think instead of raise the bar or something like that raise the floor just ooh yeah, it sums up the team nicely yeah uh are we really a fan of these hashtags i don't think (laughs) (laughs) just well i mean the hashtags have always been bad so i don't know if we have a high we don't have a high bar to cross i think they probably hit the bottom when they went hustle and heart 2.0 literally we couldn't think of another hashtag than last year's okay we'll do it again oh zahir asks at zeroid um he he put up a link to mlb.com and the title was just uh for the blog ray's tank and said (laughs) this has to be self-aware right it really was funny timing because it just launched this mlb blog on you know the mlbblogs.com and it's called ray's tank (laughs) (laughs) and then right right after that they started training everybody uh you saw the tweet with steven seuss's arrival to spring training (laughs) no i didn't it's, it goes, Suze is here <laughs> the day they traded him. And the first, oh, I did re- see that one. The yeah. first response was, yeah, <laughs> until you trade him for a bag of jelly beans or something. <laughs> and then they did. did. Oh, my goodness. Uh, final question. Hit me up. Okay. The last question comes from Brian A at big underscore B underscore SR, your buddy. If we were to mash together the two Florida teams in quotation marks, <laughs> how many wins would they be able to get with that roster? 40, 50, 69, winky face. Um, so that's an interesting thought experiment, I, I, I believe, because if you take a bunch of players who are middling at best and combine them with a bunch of other players middling at best, are you really just trading apples to apples? Like, <laughs> are you... You'd have to have some specific advantage of some guys on, on one of the teams or the other. I assume you, you could maybe get, what, 10 games better if you thought that they were all, both um, rosters were tanking? I mean, Tampa Bay is a lot better than the Marlins. <laughs> we talked about how they did, they got a little bit worse yeah, and didn't really save any money. But, you know, last year, Tampa was at least decent. They finished ahead of the Blue Jays. So... You know, the thing is, they're, just, they're not enough good players on the Marlins to help them. I guess you could trade their catcher and they'd gain a win or two. But so, yeah, I, I guess you could probably guess somewhere in the 78 win total for for just the Rays. So you might be up to the, the 500 mark if you pulled the Marlins best replacements. 
on yeah, the I think I think they could be in a 500 team if they took the Marlins best players. There you go. So there you have it. That's I mean that's pretty much the last word on that, right? Yeah, that's scientific. Uh, we are going to do something uh, nice first, right before we get nasty. That's usually the way we do that. Sure. Give out a gold star. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've learned. Mm-hmm. So we have a gold star for two ex-pitchers. Interestingly enough, they were uh, Jared Weaver and Dan Heron, who are both fun guys to uh, check out on Twitter because uh, neither of them takes themselves particularly seriously. Yeah, I mean, Dan Heron's his handle is I throw 88. <laughs> I think it was I so throw you know, 80. No, did he change it to I threw 80? No, he didn't change it to I threw 88. I think he was planning on doing that. Yeah, he made a joke about that because, like, it should be, you know, I throw 84. But so Pedro Mura uh, <laughs> tweeted out Alex Wood intends to pitch out of the stretch throughout 2018. He said he had an epiphany to scrap his delivery in September watching Steven Strasburg pitch against the Dodgers. To which Dan Heron quote tweeted and, uh, you can take it away from here. <laughs> Dan Heron quote tweeted, I pitched a few seasons completely out of the stretch, actually, just not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, implying that he gives up a lot of base runners. So which Jared actually wasn't Weaver, true, but it's funny anyway. And then Jared Weaver, done. would you like to take his? Sometimes I would just step off and throw the ball in the gap myself because I knew the hitter would do it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's pretty funny. Uh, and then Bradley Garland, some guy just chimes in. He goes, oh, I remember your starts with the Padres fondly. And Jared Weaver goes, at least you didn't have to live them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I I really wish more ex-players were, were like that, to be honest. Just have fun with it. Yeah. I mean, you're not in competition with anybody and nobody's fooled by, like, you, you can't pretend something did or didn't happen to you in the late stages of your career. It was what it was. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, both these guys know that they actually had very good careers and that they were extremely talented pitchers, but they also turned into something else at the end. Yeah. I mean, they, they both knew that they hit a wall. I mean, I still remember Heron uh, talking about holding out for a, to not be that he threatened to retire unless he wasn't was traded or wasn't traded. He didn't he didn't want to get traded. So he threatened to retire instead of accepting the trade. And then. He got traded anyway, and he played the season, and he tweeted out, oh, okay, look how that worked out for me. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> well, Basically, many yeah, so yeah, Weaver In those nine starts in, t- in San Diego, 744 ERA, and he gave up 16 bombs. <laughs> I oh, can only assume funny. that the person who remembered them fondly was a... Um, a the Dodgers rival. fan? Yeah. Who gave up Bartolo Colon's home run? Was it Weaver? No, it was James Shields who gave up Bartolo Colon's yeah. home run. That's a guy who probably should have jumped into that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) But he's still playing. He can't. (laughs) Eventually. Eventually, James Shields is going to polish off the old Twitter Twitter handle and get out there. (laughs) Uh, Which leaves us in do-over territory, as I recall. Oops. I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. (laughs) But what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... Uh, tell me about... Be- oh, go ahead. Be- before you get into this, I just want to... It's like, oops, I played the loud, the, said the loud part quiet and the quiet part loud. That's essentially what you do when you accidentally play it after the question <laughs> drop. 
uh, I play the the yeah the loud part first. The, the the first part last and the last part first. Yeah, it's cursed. I tell you, you would think a simple media player would be easy for me to operate, but I'm an old man. Okay, we have a proposal. I I don't even know if I believe that this proposal is real, but uh, you can. Frame I don't, it up. for the record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This came out from Rich Eisen. I don't actually know who that is, but there's an idea being floated in MLB of a manager being allowed to bat whoever he wants when trailing in the ninth. From an MLB exec, he's exec. He says no other sport has the best players sitting on the bench in the final minutes of a game. Imagine LeBron, Brady, Ronaldo, Ronaldo spelled wrong, watching from the sidelines. So the first thing I would take issue with is there's an idea being floated, quote, in MLB, unquote. We've heard a lot about a lot of ideas being floated around because pace of play has been a big issue that came out of nowhere with the front office of the league. Uh, But nowhere in that did I ever hear an idea about changing the basics of lineup construction. The basic rules of the game. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, even the pace of play stuff, aside from the, you know, the banning shifts, which never apparently was that serious. Technically, there are rules in place in the books now about how long you have to throw the ball. So it's just essentially about creating a more codified way to enforce them by having a clock. But this would just fundamentally change baseball. And that's why I don't think it's real. And I think that everyone sort of flipping out about this is the one that gets to do over because it's really, really out there. How does that even get to the point of of people picking up on it and seeing like was is there a Russian troll farm somewhere who's also doing baseball news to get, <laughs> get people riled up? I think it's just a bored exec. <laughs> some he's some exec like, somewhere yeah. in Colorado with a, he's he's bought a a good strain of something. He's like, "So, man, what if <laughs> like you could bet Anybody in the ninth, man. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> um, so, of course, the corollary to that, naturally, would be uh, you could bring back any pitcher you needed to, right? Yeah, or it's like, technically he said anybody, right? So it's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to go. I'd like Giancarlo Stanton to bat right now, please, followed by Mike Trout. They don't play on your team. It just says anybody. <laughs> uh, what about What about if... Say you bat Giancarlo Stanton leadoff, and he gets a double. Can you pinch run for him and bring it back to the plate and have him bat again? Maybe. The possibilities, man. Why stop there? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just so ridiculous. No way it was ever something that they were seriously considering on any level. Uh, Or at least no chemical unaltered level, as it were. Hey, fair point. Uh, I, uh, I, I guess at this point would ask you, as we wind things down, if you have a final thought. Uh, I do. So games start on Friday, which is, for me, the real start return of baseball, as we addressed last week. Mm. And all 30 teams are going to wear Marjorie Stoneman Douglas high school baseball caps to, you know, to, because of the shooting that was there recently. And I think that's a very classy move. I just yes, sort of sir. wanted to bring that up. I think so, too. I, it would be nice if, you know, uh, the MLB could maybe disentangle itself a little bit from the military while we were at it. <laughs> yeah. One step at a time. Yeah, one one thing at a time. But uh, 
yeah, uh, I'm not going to say thoughts and prayers, but but certainly I think something needs to change with that tragedy and the many, many other tragedies like it. So, uh, um, you know, keeping that awareness up and showing support for those kids is is the least that they could do. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to depend on me to come up with a final thought to, to not end on that very deeply serious note. Yeah, I'm nice that way. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Uh, what have I got? Not much. I am I'm uh, eagerly awaiting fake games. It's it's hard to believe baseball's back in what five weeks. Five Joe Biagini opening day starter. Yeah, we didn't mention that. Uh, apparently, Joe Biagini's already been pressed into action for that first spring game. Yeah. Wow, that didn't take long for him to get into the rotation, did it? We thought we were going to have nope. to wait and see him at AAA and everything else. <laughs> uh, I guess so my thought is, uh, yes, they are real fake games. And still, if Joe Biagini is starting your first real fake game, nothing really matters. So all the best health to all of the Blue Jays players. Uh, we'd like to see them all make it opening day in one piece. And that said, uh, I have been your host, Greg Wisniewski, at Coolhead2010, and you have been joshua housem at joshua housem and this has been artificial turf wars episode number 89 and we'll talk to you again next week